The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everyone. Welcome. I am so excited for today's show. I'm going to be talking with celebrity nutrition and fitness expert, JJ Virgin, Woohoo! Yes, I'm a big fan. JJ is the author of four New York Times bestsellers and is also a frequent blogger, popular guest on TV, radio, and magazines. JJ is primarily known for helping clients lose weight and crushing their sugar cravings, which you all know by now is a huge issue for me, and I love to talk about that stuff. But JJ also happens to be uber fit and gorgeous, and since we're the same age, yes, we're in our 50s, I know it's hard to believe, I can say she's one of the few women in health and fitness that actually inspire me. So today we're going to be focusing, though, on something else you might not know about JJ. Today, JJ is going to share with us her personal story of resilience. For all of us parents, We know there is nothing more devastating than seeing our children suffer. And when our children are rushed to the hospital, it is monumentally devastating. Truthfully, I still have not recovered from my son's emergency lung surgery almost four years ago. He's fine now, but it was one of the scariest experiences of my life. And although he's got the physical scars on his body, I have those emotional scars on my heart, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, imagine if your child was in a terrible accident and the hospital doctors told you there was no hope. How would you respond? JJ's attitude and fortitude will blow you away, and I am honored to learn from her today. JJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. JJ, I start asking every guest my five Lisa's five Ask Every Guest questions. And these will be super easy for you, not so easy for others. What did you have for breakfast today? (laughs) What I have every single day, which is a um, smoothie made with my protein powder and coconut milk and avocados and spinach and all of that. It's It's been a daily routine for decades. You're ahead of your time there. What is your favorite form of exercise? My favorite form of exercise, I love, I love weight training. I alternate between weight training and burst training. And I usually burst train either on stairs if I'm traveling or at home I have um, a Stairmaster and an exerciser and step bench in my garage. What's a habit you're trying to either break or add? I am trying to be consistent with meditation. Ooh, that's a biggie for me, too. (laughs) I started teaching meditation. I love talking about meditation. Anyway, how do you spend the first hour of your day? So the first hour of my day, and I think this is the most important thing 
um, that can change your life is actually how you start your day. And what I do when I wake up in the morning is I take my thyroid (laughs) right off the bat and I have some black bulletproof coffee, but then I drink or I um, pull out my journal and I write down at least three things very specifically that I'm grateful for every single day. And then after that, I just kind of freeform write out things I'm working on, goals. It's just kind of a dream journal. And then I pick something to read. I'm always reading something. So I read for a little bit. And then I do some tapping. And that's sort of how I've been doing my meditating is I see um, EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, or tapping as, as active meditation. So that's what I do. And then Very I have my cool. shake. And then you have your shake. <laughs> yep. Who is someone in your life that inspires you? Um, I would say that both of my sons are probably my biggest source of inspiration. Um, my son who survived the unsurvivable was is absolutely my, my inspiration because he does not let that define him, and he is looking for all of the ways that as he improves, he can help other people improve. So, you know, I love that, and I love seeing how my other son has just really stepped up. Um, he was the baby, stepped up to be the older son and, and to be helpful and caretaking despite, like, you know, they'd never had a great relationship prior to the accident, and he just stepped in and did what he needed to do as a brother, and it's not easy. No. It's amazing so. how our kids can become our spiritual teachers in life, isn't yes, it? Yes, they can. <laughs> yeah. So would you mind sharing the story about Grant with our listeners for those who are not familiar with what happened? So this is uh, four, a little over four years ago. I was getting ready. I, I had a book coming out, so and I had everything invested in this book. And I'm the primary financial support for my family. So this this was a big deal, like for this to to work and happen. And I came home one day, and my son Grant was 16, and he's bipolar. <clears throat> And so things were always walking on eggshells. He'd been in a much better place in his life. He'd finally, like, gotten a girlfriend, was doing well in school. Like, everything was finally dialed into where it needed to be. And I came home that afternoon, and he was in a bad mood because he'd left school early um, due to a headache. And now, all of a sudden, he's miraculously recovered, wants to go to... Uh, to martial arts, and, you know, the rule in the family was if you couldn't stay in school that day, you're not getting to go out and do other fun stuff. Totally reasonable, but he was having none of it, and uh, he got escalated and escalated until finally he stomped out of the house. It was just getting dusky outside, and he stomped out barefoot and said, you know, I'm not as strong as you think I am, Mom, and slammed the door. And the next time I saw him was um, in the ICU, and he was covered with road rash and blood and um, glass, bone sticking out. He had 13 fractures, including both femurs and multiple skull fractures. He had um, something called diffuse axonal injuries to his brain that had him in a deep coma. And he had a torn aorta that killed 90% of the people on the scene. It killed Princess Di. And that was the problem was because of that aorta, it was going to rupture sometime in the next 24 hours, but at that hospital we were at, they had to use a blood thinner in order to um, repair the aorta, which would have made his brain bleed out. So there was no way they could fix it there, and they told me, you know, if we try to airlift him, he's going to die on the airlift, and even if he doesn't, he'll die in surgery, and even if he survived that surgery, he's going to be so brain damaged that it wouldn't be worth it. And 
This is when my other son, who was then 15, said, so like a 0.25% chance. And the doctor said, that's about right, son. And, and so our answer was, we'll take those odds. We're overruling you. And uh, that began this huge, huge journey. And, uh, you know, starting with me being in the ICU with him in a coma there all day, every day, because I was not going to leave, you know, third leading cause of death is uh, is death by doctor in hospitals or where that generally happens. And uh, I, I couldn't leave, but I also had to make my book a success so I could actually pay for all of this. So it was a really crazy, stressful time. I can't even imagine, you know, those moments when a doctor says something like that to you and you probably go into some kind of shock. You know, how did you... Where did that strength just come from where you said, no, I'm not going to listen to that mama bear, you know, protective thing that comes out in us? Like, did it surprise you at the moment? Um, So, you know, in looking back, that whole time I was going through it, like, it was as if I was watching a movie and it wasn't real. And uh, the the person who was absolute like the most logical was my 15 year old. I was I was watching this going, how could this even be happening? And you know, before we got all of that information, I'd walked outside and I remember standing outside and it was this clear night and I could see the stars and the moon and I was just like, what do I do here? Because as a mom, I wanted to do what was going to be best for my son. And so part of me was like, what if I overrule them? You know, go after fixing him and he's he's, you know, a vegetable. Like, what What do I do here? What would he want me to do? What should I do? And I just got a hit. I mean, I was standing outside, and it was it was like a lightning bolt hit of, go save your son. You know, just go save your son. And, you know, it, from that moment, I knew exactly what I, you know, exactly what I needed to do, which was I was going to do whatever it took. And, I stood in the the uh, the ICU the next day, and I remember it was like 11 in the morning. It had been maybe, what, 15 hours since it had happened. And I looked at him, and I looked at my ex-husband, and I said, you know, we're going to have a do-over here, and we're going to make him better than, you know, better than ever. He'll be 110%. And I just started telling Grant that. I told everyone around us that. They all thought I was absolutely insane, like this poor woman's delusional, like this kid probably won't make it through the next surgery. I mean, he... The, the, there was not one one thing that he had going for him except that I was in no way going to let this one drop, you know. And mm-hmm. I just, I knew that I had to know that I did every single thing possible to save him. And I was not going to, you know, leave any stone unturned um, to do it. And I just went with the premise of he's going to be 110% and this will be the best thing that ever happened to him and, uh, you know, the family and then as many people as I can share it with. So that was my that was my focus on it, and it was scary as as it was completely frightening, scary, and I had to manage my mindset on a daily basis to avoid going down the what if tracks, you know, that you go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's still you know it's still a struggle. Brain injuries are the silent epidemic out there that people don't realize how bad they are. There's 17 million brain injuries a year, and. Uh, it is absolutely frightening what happens, and it's, you don't know because you can't. Most of the time, people don't even get diagnosed. So, yeah, especially with all these uh, concussions, and they're getting so much more knowledge. But I'm curious. You know, I read about how you found. I believe it was Dr. Sears and uh, the fish oil research they had been doing, and what led you there to even think of that as an option. 
Well, so I'm a nutritionist, so I had a, a definitely unfair advantage because I went into this with a couple things that um, really helped me. Number one, I went in with the community, and when I reached out to help, I was one degree of separation from, I actually knew Barry Sears already. You know, Daniel Amen was a close friend. He was at the hospital, Hyla Cass. People just came. So I had those people in my Rolodex, so I was super fortunate with that. But also, because Grant was bipolar, I had already done, I actually switched grad schools to take pharmacology to start to learn what I could do from the supplement side to help him. And one of the things we had him on prior to the accident was fish oil. And because he was on fish oil, I believe that's one of the key reasons he made it through that accident because it actually protects your brain. And that's a really important message for everyone to hear because you never know when you're going to hit your head. You never know. And a a traumatic brain injury can be, you know, a concussion all the way up to a coma and everything in between. You know, there's mild, moderate, and severe, but you you don't know. You can't plan for one. So the way you plan for one is to take fish oil. So fortunately, he was already on that. And then as soon as I was in the hospital, I reached out to my community. I started getting all sorts of information from people with, like, here's what you need to do. And so I sorted through it, and since I have you know, a ton of graduate courses under my belt, I could kind of go, okay, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, because, you know, we got everything from um, essential oils to, you know, holy water. To, I mean, we got everything. And I'm like, all right, what do we need to do here? Um, but that's really my next big cause is, you know, there's there's a couple things that saved his life. One was the fact that I'd gone through a lot of tough times in my life already, and I was used to stepping up. And, you know... I did, and then two was having this kind of access to these resources when you need them, which is one of the things I'm determined to get out there in the world because I've heard from so many people since the accident asking for what I did and and how could I help. So that is a big key thing I want to make sure is is out there because I had to fight for fish oil in the hospital. The doctors weren't letting me do it. I actually did it behind their back. How did you administer it? It is something that, you know, if he was, was he still in the coma when you were giving it to him or he was out of the coma at that point? Yeah, what happened was when he was in the coma, I got them to let me give him um, two grams, which is like putting a Dixie cup on a forest fire. And I explained to them he was on five grams before, but they were only going to put him on two grams because they were afraid he would bleed out. And just for everyone listening, there's absolutely zero research to show that this happens. And what I what I did is once he came through the coma, I started giving him fish oil, um, and he, he he spit up his own feeding tube. So once he he was through the coma, and he got through the the feeding tube part of it, I started giving it to them and monitoring his um, monitoring his bleed time, and I could see that it wasn't impacting it at all, so I just kept giving him more. And then when we moved to the next hospital, I told them that he was on 20 grams, and they said, great, and they did it. So, Wow, that's amazing. And I do want to start talking. We're going to be going to break shortly, but I really do want to get into this miracle mindset. And, you know, you mentioned you had developed that resilience tool, you know, in your tool belt and how important that is for all of us. You know, I'm a firm believer that everyone goes through rough times, maybe not at the same time, but eventually it's going to hit. And if we have those tools in place, we're so much better prepared to make it through. So when we come back from the break, 
We will talk with JJ Virgin here about the miracle mindset and how she's on a mission to make us all more resilient. We'll be back shortly. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to busy stressed and food obsessed to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792 again that's 1-866-472-5792 feel like sending an email instead send it to lisa at healthy happy and hip.com now back to busy stressed and food obsessed here again is lisa lutan Welcome back to the show. I am chatting with celebrity nutritionist JJ Virgin, and we're talking about the miracle mindset. And JJ is going to teach us some valuable lessons on building resilience. JJ, what is exactly a miracle mindset? Well, so here's what happened. So I go through this the first four and a half months, my son's in the hospital. I'm literally launching a book and going on TV, running from the hospital, doing that, knowing that I need to be there. In fact, he said later, he said, Mom, you know, the gray man asked me if I wanted to live or die, and I didn't want to live, but I kept hearing you talking. So I told him I wanted to stay. And I just knew that, you know, it's like, as a mom, you're not leaving your kid. So... I get through all of this, and I'm at an event, and a friend said, how did you do that? Like, what, are you superwoman? And I went, you know, I wasn't thinking at that time. I was in total autopilot of just doing this. But as I looked back, and I started to talk to some of my other friends at that event, I realized that everyone who I've seen who's both happy and successful in their life has gone through trials and tribulations, and they've gotten stronger because of it. And so I went through and I started to look at what are the different mindsets and attitudes 
that you need to have to really be able to handle these things as they come up in your life and not just handle them, but handle them and see the gift in them, you know, which you may not be able to see right at the moment. Like, the, you know, when my son's getting hit, I'm not looking at his body going, what's the gift? I mean, let's be real. But as you look back, how do you, how do you make sense of this? How do you make your life better because of it? So I started to look at those, and I wrote down a whole series of things and started to think about my friends who really embodied this. And I came up with seven mindsets that collectively make what I call this miracle mindset. And what's a miracle mindset? That means that you look at something as a gift rather than a burden, that you you have the ability to create a miracle in your life, you know, because you can step up. One of the taglines I use is show up, step up, you're stronger than you think that you have that ability to, to show up big and to step up and to not, it's not about being fearless, but to lean into fear and to be courageous and to then, as you go through these things, look back at it and go, all right, how do I get through this without the anger, the resentment? How do I go through and forgive those that need to be forgiven and find the blessing in all of this? And, and so those seven things, the ability to forgive, abundance-minding thinking, being resilient, being an action taker, living in that present moment, being collaborative and being courageous, those collectively form this mindset. And the cool thing is you can actually develop them. So one thing I find so interesting is you said, you know, it's the gift of the burden or something like that. And I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, I've had my share of... um, Things I had to get through in my life, and I totally agree with you. They were my most amazing, best lessons in life. But oftentimes, we don't realize it till we've gotten through it. And you somehow were able to, in the moment of it, know that, as opposed to looking back at it. And I find that really cool and interesting. And were you always able to do that? Well, so... <clears throat> And this really is the point of, of this book is, in the moment, I was on total autopilot. I was on autopilot from everything that I've been through before, you know, having gone through just growing up with a schizophrenic brother, alcoholic father, you know, divorce, having a son with bipolar, all these things that, by the way, we all have. You don't, like, get to peek into any family and go, wow, they have the perfect life. I used to be a personal trainer to very, very wealthy people. And from the outside, all these people look like they had the best lives ever. And you'd get in their house and go, they're all the same. Everybody's, everybody's going through it. It's, the difference is the mindset. That's going to make the entire difference as to whether they look at life and go, wow, this is the, the best day of my life or the worst day. You know, I looked back at that the first year I came out of this with Grant. It's like it could have been the worst year of my life, but I looked at it as the best year of my life. And people would come up and say, gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, he's alive. You know, like, I can't, I can't be sorry about this if he's, he's alive, he's making it through it, and he is better than he was before. So I believe it's all of these things that we go through in our life that we learn how to do this, and it just gets easier and easier and easier to expand your comfort zone. Um, but I also now know, and I've been taking people through the process, that this actually are all things that you can develop It's just that we naturally tend to avoid things we're afraid of. We tend to avoid stepping out of our comfort zone. And then when something like this happens, we don't have the tools. Mm -hmm. I actually believe meditation is one of the most amazing tools to help us, you know, through these tough times. At least for me, it's been a huge, huge help. But, you know, you talk about strength and resilience. And what is actually the difference between the two? So... 
Resilience to me feels almost more like endurance plus strength got together. It's that ability to bounce back and bounce back and bounce back. You know, like that song, I get knocked down and I get up again. Strength is strength in the moment. Like, what can I step up and handle? And resilience is, okay, I might have gotten knocked down. I'm back up again and I'm back up again and I'm back up again. And, you know, I in the book I talk about how little little hinges swing big doors and we're able to and that we're stronger than we think and that we're able to go through these things and just get hit and and kind of take take some information from it take some research and then step up again and do it again like when um I went through this with Grant I'd gone through multiple things with him you know as a bipolar child cuz bipolar children are rapid cycling and some crazy things happen and so I'd gone through challenging things. And if this had been my first time, it, it would have been way more difficult for me mentally to have gotten through it. So, I, you know, I see some people who made it through their whole life till they were in their 30s or 40s when they've had their first major tragic thing in their life that they've had to deal with. And again, I say, oh, you poor thing, you weren't blessed with the need to be resilient. But on the other hand, all of a sudden, someone's, for the first time in their life, trying to learn these tools. Is it something that somebody can pick up just in I midlife totally when they believe haven't gone through it? Yep, I totally believe that you can learn it. Otherwise, you know, to me, there would be no no point in getting the message out because all it would do is shine a light on Wow, you're here. Things are going to happen. You're in trouble. <laughs> you know, that's right, the right. takeaway. Is it's really hard to sell prevention, as we know in health. If someone's, you know, you can say, listen, if you do, if you keep doing those things, you're going to have a heart attack. Well, people generally will have the heart attack and then switch to the things you tell them to do. And that, to me, is the big takeaway here. Is this is prevention types of things. Is in life. I I'm, early on, I had this amazing mentor um, in my late 20s who taught me about stepping out of your comfort zone, facing your fears, and you know these were things like I'm super shy, so going to an event by yourself, which sounds silly, and how would that translate to here? But every time you step out of your comfort zone and you show your your nervous system your that you can do it, you transmit messages going, oh, okay, that wasn't so scary, and so you can learn these things. And a lot of it, too, is like is just being able to sit quietly with yourself, which is where meditation works great, which is where uh, tapping works great. There's a variety of ways to do this. It can be as simple as taking a hike in nature without music, so you're just with yourself, just to really sit and process some of these things and some of these feelings. But yes, it can be learned. And it just is, We, if you look at how we live our lives now, every moment's full of you know, Facebook or other other things going on and you don't you don't take the time, you do everything you can to avoid unpleasant feelings or scary feelings, right? Oh my God. I think people are scaredest of being with themselves more than with anything. Being alone with their thoughts is terrifying for so oh, many. Oh yeah. I just uh, I just was talking to a friend who's a filmmaker and, and filmed eight people in the um, in the jungle doing a healing journey for 
30 days where they couldn't do they couldn't even have a book and they had to be totally by themselves to help themselves heal. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the jungle that's scary, it's the being by yourself that's scary, you know. That's right. That's right. I think that that's the scariest thing. You know, one thing I love, you talk about self-care, essentialism and support. I happen to be reading the book Essentialism right now. I'm totally obsessed with it. So can you talk about those three things and how they come up in your book and your program? I know. Isn't that the best book ever? Oh, my, oh my gosh. God. The best book ever. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling everybody so, now to be reading it. I know. It's so good. That and the one thing. So as I was standing in the hospital that first day, and literally I'm sitting here in the middle of, you know, someone actually emailed and put on Facebook, don't worry about your son. Don't worry about your, your job. It'll be there waiting for you. Take care of your sweet son. And I'm thinking, well, not that's not really the case. I have a book coming out. The publisher, New York publishers, you know, won't give me a second chance. You don't get second chances on things like that. And, you know, I run a company and I support a bunch of people who their families are taken care of because of the company. So if I crash this whole thing, it's not just I won't be able to take care of my kids. I have other people who won't be able to take care of their kids. So that wasn't an option at all. And it's not like there's an option to not take care of my son. I'm not going anywhere. So I know that I have to be there for him. I still have to make sure my other son's doing okay and launch this book. And I looked at it and I went, what do I need to do? The first thing that I knew that I needed to do was what I call extreme self-care. Put the oxygen mask on yourself. And I especially say this to women because we tend to do that last. And I knew, you know, that self-care was actually the most selfless thing I could do. Um, we tend to think of it as a selfish thing, I see it as a selfless thing because, I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to take care of your family? And I can't go into the ICU if I'm sick. They're not letting you in. My son's got tubes coming out of his brain. They're not letting me in if I'm sick. So that was the first thing I did was make sure that I was getting my sleep, eating correctly. I was actually burst training up and down the hospital stairs um, and taking supplements to help, especially with the stress. So that was step one. And then the next thing that I looked at is what did I need to do in order to make those two things happen? My son, take care of my son, make sure my business was on track. And those were the only things. If it didn't do those two things, I didn't do it. That was it. Those were the things. Take care of your son, take care of the business. And so everything else got deleted. I either, you know put it on hold or just dumped it out altogether. And I think that's super important because for so many of us, there's so many things we do in a daily basis that really don't matter at all. And so that essentialism, I still fight now to to make sure that I'm doing it because it's very easy to get sucked back into doing stuff that you don't need to do, you know? I know. Um, Right? I mean, it just is. Or thinking something is a good idea, I should do that. No, you don't need to do it. So that is a very clear check every day is like, is this essential to my, you know, my grand plan in life? What is most important to me? Do I need to be doing this? And then the biggest one and the one that made the biggest difference is, is reaching out for support. And I, I think in general, most people see asking for help as a sign of weakness. In reality, asking for help is a sign of strength. And people want to help. They want to help. And I was amazed at the people who showed up at that hospital, showed up all throughout um, to support. Because, you know, some of the things that I've learned in life is when I go out and help other people, it's 
one of the most powerful things I can do for my own mental health. And so, you know, reaching out for support was a huge one. And honestly, if you look at what's going on in our country right now, we are so disconnected and it is devastating to us. We have so many people who are isolated and so many people not getting help. So that that was a key thing to do. And that was a scary one, reaching out to ask people for help because I'd never really done it before. And it's a gift. You know, when we ask for help, people feel so good helping us. But for some reason, we're so afraid or we're caught up in that superwoman. I don't need any help. I could do it all by myself. And we have to remind ourselves that we're really doing a gift by asking others for help. We make them feel needed and special. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was that was one that I'd never done before, but when you're looking at your son and your son's life's on the line, you'll ask for help. And since then, and this is how I know these things can be trained, I have made it a point to ask for help and accept help. And because, you know, it's like it's got to be quid pro quo. I love to give help, but that means that you also have to receive. Was that hard to learn, how to ask for um, help? It, 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 it back in normal life to learn there, <laughs> but uh, I actually teach it. I have a, a course called Miracle Mindset Academy, and I put it in there. I put all of these things in as lessons. So I'm like, I know that you can you can learn how to be essential, how to really focus in on what you need to do, and I know you can figure out you know the self care. But what I discovered about all of these things is what went on top of all of it was you feeling worthy, like like you feeling like you matter enough to ask for help and you matter enough to take care of yourself. So that that kind of sits on top of the whole thing. That seems to be underneath everything in life, right? I'm not Isn't good it? enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the root of all of all issues coming back again. Well, we're going to be going to a break shortly. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking with JJ Virgin about the miracle mindset. So come back, stay tuned. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hi, welcome back to the show. I am here with celebrity nutritionist, excuse me, I can't talk today, celebrity nutritionist, JJ Virgin, and we're talking about the miracle mindset. And it's just an amazing conversation on so many levels, because so many things that JJ's touched upon briefly are things that I see with my clients continually. And I want to jump back, JJ, to some of the things we were talking about before, like self-care. And I was so impressed that here you are, you're in the hospital, you're getting your book out, your son is lying there, you're afraid for your life, and you're remembering to take care of yourself. And that is such a huge, powerful message for so many women out there, how important it is for us to take care of ourselves. You know, honestly, the big thing that... that showed up for me after this was I, I'd always been in, in health, you know, I've been weight loss for 30 years, but one of the key things that happens in weight loss is people go, okay, 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 I'm going to do it tomorrow, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like the classic <laughs> thing, I'll do tomorrow. Right. I remember standing there going, gosh, had I not been at the top of my game, super healthy, what what would have happened? Like, what would have happened here? Because... Uh, there's no way I could have shown up at the level I had to show up. I mean, you can't, you cannot walk into the ICU sick. You can't do it. And so that's what I looked at is I've got a bigger mission now in health just for people, all the people that say I'll do it tomorrow. It's like you never know, like, when some big challenge or big opportunity is going to show up for you. And the last thing you want is to not be ready with, you know, not be healthy enough to, to do it. And in order for you to have the energy, the focus, the stress tolerance, you've got to health the health behind it. So if you won't do it for, you know, like if you need that motivational kick in the butt for it, because I find for so many people they put themselves last, if you are a parent, if you have aging parents, if you have a spouse, if you have a team at work or people that you manage, this is like, this is, you owe this to everybody. So if you won't do it just for yourself, um, then do it for everybody around you because you need this to be able to show up at the highest level. You have to have your health. It's step one. It's so true. And I love how you said it before. It's not selfish. It's selfful. Is that the word you use? It's selfless. And, and you know, here's the thing, and you talk first about a morning, about like, what do I do in the morning? One of the first things that I teach people is to set up your morning and your evening routines because they just make it easy. And I travel half the time, but wherever I am, I have a morning routine, literally what I told you with, you know, taking my thyroid, but then uh, doing my intentioning in my journal with the gratitude, doing my shake. I do that every every day. Now, it might be shorter. Sometimes I have more time and I can do my book and do tapping and do all my stuff. And sometimes I just have to do my journal and my shake. But I travel with it and I do it. And at night, it's like, what are the wins? What was awesome that happened today? Because no matter what the day is, and some days I'd be walking out of that hospital and it'd be 9 or 10 at night and it would be super gloomy. Very, you know, like I'd be Friday night and wanting to have a pity party. But I go, what, you know, what's good about today? He's still alive. <laughs> You know, he, um, 
you know, flickered his eyelids today. He did a little bit of a smile. Like, whatever those things are, you can find something. Heck, you know, you're alive. We're breathing. There's always something that you can find to be positive about. And even when you don't want to be, that starts to change your physiology. So you just got to find those things that you can find. It's gratitude in the morning, wins at night is your frame. And then same thing with, with your whole diet. If you just set this up so it's a habit and you don't have to think about it, it becomes a non-issue. It's just I have a shake every day. I keep I keep a bar on me or nuts on me so that if something happens, I'm I'm set. I know how I can get like food delivered. I mean, gosh, it's never been easier with things like Amazon Fresh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I knew pretty much everywhere you are, there's stairs. So that was my easiest workout ever was just to be in the hospital stairs. <laughs> Didn't like so it, true. but you know. <laughs> You know, something about gratitude, so many people think that gratitude is something you do when you're happy about counting your blessings and all that. But the truth is, it's the time when we are devastated, that it's so critical and it keeps us going that we can remember that there's still beauty in the world all the time, even when it feels like we're at the end of the world. And I think that's such an important, important message for everyone. Yeah, I also we, think we, we don't need said to about... view gratitude when things are, I mean, or practice your wins and gratitude when things are awesome. That's easy. Do it when it's hard. Right. And, and even your wins. I think so many women have trouble, you know, patting themselves on the back and saying, hey, I did a good job. You know, we're so, okay, check that box. What do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? And that brings us back to that essentialism. And I, I can say for myself, like one of the beautiful things about being in the midst of the hurricane of a tragedy is you are so super clear about what's important. Like there is no distraction at all. You know what's important, what you have to do. But then when you get back out into the real world and beautifully you have those distractions again, you know, how can we remember how can we use those tools and remember to really focus on what's important for us? Any tips on that? How can, well, so here's the thing. When you have those tools, when you d- dial in, and this is the thing I think is most important, is to create solid habits. And when we think of solid habits, we think, oh, take your vitamins and brush your teeth. And those are great, but if you just pick one by one, and, and what I say in the book is little hinges swing big doors, right? Um, when Grant was coming out of his coma, and I'm looking at him, and I've made this decision he's going to be 110%, and it's not looking like he's going to be 110% at the moment when I'm looking at this at all, right? But um, if you make that decision, it's like now, you know, ask the right question, and you'll get the right answers, right? So I'm working on how to make that. I'm counting every little thing I can see with him. I'm organizing his day in every way to help help access every part of him. You know, we're doing things for his touch, his, his smell, his taste, his sound. But I look at it in life is if you do the same thing, you say, okay, I'm going to start now and I'm just going to make sure every morning that I get up and I have a shake. Okay, once that's under, you've got that one done and it's just a way you live. Like no one thinks about brushing their teeth anymore. It's just part of what they do. So your next step is now I'm going to work out. I'm going to get in the morning, up in the morning and I'm going to take five minutes to practice gratitude and write it down. And once you've gotten that dialed in, now you move to a to another one. Now I'm going to work on eight glasses of water throughout the day. So you just you just get these till they are just a way that you live, and they're you don't think about them anymore. 
They just are who you are. Because then when a tough time hits, they're still in there and you're doing them. You don't have to think about it. Then you start moving. Once you have those things dialed, now you start moving into let's challenge Let's challenge myself here. Like what do I need to do in terms of, you know, when I look at challenging and thinking of it, what do we need to do to lean into fear, to face things that scare us normally, and, and what exercises can we do to do that? And there are exercises to help you um, not be scarcity-minded, to live in the present, to be an action-taker, to be more collaborative. And, and honestly, as you're doing those and you're checking back in, like I created a scorecard on all of this so you could check back in to check your progress because they seem very um, subjective, but they can be objective, and then you know where you need to improve, right? But it all really starts with dialing in your habits. That's, that's your safety net is having your habits dialed in. But what would be an example of an exercise that we could do to lean into fear? Um, well, what's the thing that scares you? You know that great line? Uh, is it Eleanor Roosevelt that was like, do one thing a day that scares you? Mm-hmm. Like, what's something that scares you? What's a small thing that scares you? Me or in yeah. general? <laughs> yeah, just in general. Like, well, so I'll give you well, an like example. starting a radio show was terrifying for me, so I thought that means I have to do it. Exactly, but see, that's the mindset I'm looking for. That's a that's a growth mindset. Of I use fear as a litmus test that I'm playing big enough. See, to me, if you are not a little bit afraid about something that you're going after, you're probably playing too small. So a lot of this is just a reframe on how you're looking at things. See, we're taught naturally to avoid things that are scary, right? Don't do that. That's scary. And if instead you go, okay, that's scaring me a little bit. That idea of, you know, going and asking for the promotion is scaring me. I Let me rehearse it. Let me go through it in my mind, decharge it so it's not as scary. And I, the way I look at the fear thing is I go through a situation. Okay, what do I want to do? And and what am I trying to accomplish here? Like stepping into doing this book was, has been super scary for me. I'm a health person. What am I doing writing a memoir that's very personal development oriented? Who am I to do this? I could totally fail. So I look at, I, I look at okay, what's scaring me? It's being vulnerable. It's coming out to the world, showing them, you know, this is a scary thing. <laughs> um, you know, showing all the stuff about my family, all the struggles. Um, what else is scaring me? It could all fail. Everybody could see that fail. And then, but, but what could happen if this all goes well? And so I always look at what's the worst that could happen, and then I go and grab onto what's the best that can happen and go from there. And I, but I think a big part of it is reframing fear as a positive, as a sign that you're stepping out big enough. I love that you put that into words because I do live like that, but I've never heard it verbalized like that. And I think that's amazing. And I love, I want to repeat that to all you. Like if something's scaring you, it means you got to take another look at it and say, oh, I'm getting nervous. This is great. This is awesome. So I love that. What might be another exercise that could change our mindset? So... One that really made a huge impact on me was around forgiveness. And I went to something called 40 Years of Zen where you literally put electrodes on your head for a week because one of my buddies is a biohacker, Dave Asprey, and he's like, you have to come do this. And I'm like, really? You know, for a week, <laughs> I need to do this? You sure? But I was in such a state of nothing. I had no joy. Nothing was – nothing. It was, this was like two years after Grant went to the hospital – 
and everything was just okay. Nothing was bad and nothing was good. I couldn't feel any happiness and couldn't really feel any anything. And I go to this and I find out that what I'm actually doing for a week is I'm do, using electrodes on my head to, to go through forgiveness protocols and the electrodes can tell if I really have forgiven that person or not. If, it basically, it's a lie detector. And hmm. they had a specific protocol to go through forgiveness. And I'm thinking, at first I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't hold resentments, which is BS, by the way, and I don't <laughs> need to forgive anybody. And then as I'm sitting there, I realize, you know, that I need to be there probably for a year. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people to forgive, most of all myself. And if you are in the state where you're still holding on to things or resentful, if you're doing that, it will push down your joy. And I just kind of felt like I didn't resent things, but I just didn't deal with them. I put them in a closet. And that that that's creating problems. So that's what I did is I went through and I identified each thing that I needed to forgive. So, for example, you know, Grant walked out that night and got hit by a car. And, you know, it was hit and run. I needed to forgive the woman who hit him. But honestly, I didn't know if she did it on purpose or if Grant walked in front of the car. I don't know. I had to forgive Grant. I had to forgive, forgive myself. And, you know, as you start to go back in your life, you're like, what are all those things? And so what you do is you pick a jury uh, or you pick your judges. And your judges could be anyone. I picked um, Aslan from Narnia and a couple other, you know, like mythical figures. And then you present your case as to you you bring that person out that you're, you know, um, charging the crime and you charge the crime. Like, Grant, you walked out in front of a car. And then you explain why this was so damaging to you. And then you have to shift positions and put yourself into their place. JJ, I'm so sorry. We're coming to the end of the show, and I want to leave a minute or two for you to tell our listeners how they can reach you. I know, they'll have you. to read the book. It's in the book. I, I know, the book. Have to tell the book. Tell them about the book. <laughs> well, the book's called The Miracle Mindset, A Mother, Her Son, and Life's Hardest Journeys, and uh, it's really about showing up and stepping out up, and the fact is we really are stronger than we think. And it's meant to inspire, but it's also meant to help you see that, you know what, these things that go on in life, they are, they make us who we are. We don't grow when, when, you know, it's sunny outside and there's butterflies. We grow when we're challenged and we're really never better than when we're challenged. Amazing. I can't wait to read it when it comes out. Um, JJ, it has been such a pleasure and an honor having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate it. And thank you, listeners. This is Lisa Lutan. If you want to drop by my website, it's healthyhappyandhip.com. Drop me a note. Let me know what you think of the show. While you're there, feel free to sign up for my newsletter. Again, that's www.healthyhappyandhip.com. Thanks again, JJ Virgin, and all of you have a great day. you've enjoyed today's episode on busy stressed and food obsessed did you get some great ideas from today's show join lisa lutan again next thursday at 9 a.m pacific time and 12 noon eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel have a great week
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 